Hello and welcome to Season 4. It's a podcast that seeks to encourage and inspire you on your journey. Well, we're just about to go into our next episode and it's one that I have been looking for an opportunity to do for such a long time. And we are doing it on the subject of LGBTQI. And it's such an important subject that we need to cover. And Marco does this. He shares his story, his personal story, how to tackle it in such a sensitive way for everybody. So let's go straight into this and be blessed because honestly, this should be something we need to have a proper answer to. Well, we are again with um, a friend of mine who uh, we've had before on our podcast, and it's with Marco. And um, as promised in the previous episode, we would have him back again because uh, he's rather awesome, not just because of his beard, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, because I, I wanted to chat about, uh, and I think it's important I give the listen, listeners a context. Um, I saw the subject in the, uh, the timetable at the Satellites Conference, and I rocked up into this uh, auditorium with probably about a thousand people there. I was like, okay, this obviously is a, is a, this is a subject. And then I sat at the back with my arms crossed thinking, all right, come on then, just give me something good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he just smashed it out of the park. And I, it was one of those things was like, well, of course I've got to talk to this guy. Um, so it was with Marco and he, he was talking about the LGBTQI plus conversation and you just, well, y- y- you went on to explain the classification, how your personal experience, how you approach it, how we should approach it, and then what that looks like afterwards. And I just thought, you know, everyone's got to hear this because this is such an important subject and you know my personal story people know my personal story you can go and listen back to previous episodes for that one because it's it's such a sad story but one that has given me a, a further determination to say a line in the sand and says enough is enough we need to deal with this properly mm. there you go yeah you know it's interesting i i've spoken many times many, many, many times to audiences of youth workers about this topic. Um, and, you know, it, I, maybe in a moment, I'll go back and share why I started talking about that. And, uh, and so I've gotten quite used to talking to youth workers about it. And I did that at Satellites too, and had a nice, nice crowded room of youth workers uh, in the youthscape youth worker lounge, whatever it was called. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I've learned how to talk about this topic with youth workers in a way that does allow people to relax their shoulders and not just assume that I'm there to uh, create a problem or, yeah. you know, for them to call out my heresy, whichever direction that might be. <laughs> but when Martin Saunders, director of, uh, uh, of Satellites, uh, asked me to speak to a room full of teenagers on this topic. It dawned on me I've not done that. Oh, uh, I've had lots of individual conversations uh, with teenagers, 
but I've never spoken to a room of kids, especially one that I don't know. Wow. Um, and I was very nervous about it. Uh, wow. I, uh, I just thought, man, there's so many ways that this could go wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and then at the last minute they moved the venue to yeah. that main main auditorium, which I'm glad they did considering yeah. how many came, uh, it was massive. I mean, it was, you know, not 50% of the, uh, event, but it was something oh, yeah. close, close to that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I really went into it with some fear and trembling, which is a good space for me as a speaker to be in because it forces me into a place of humility and dependence, mm. uh, on God's spirit. Mm. Um, and, uh, they had, I will tell you that Uscape had given me, well, they had, Martin had said to me, we talked and he said, I just want, you know, we've got people coming from a variety of theological perspectives. I'm not trying to, uh, anger anybody or, but we, we definitely want the teenagers who are there to know, particularly if they are asking these questions or have already identified as yeah. LGBTQ, uh, I, we want them as an event. We want them to know that God loves them and that they are welcome here. So yeah. I craft, I, so I crafted something in actual notes and I thought I better send this off to Martin. And I sent it off to him and he said, this is all good, but I want you to go one step further. And this is where I think it was a risky move for satellites, uh, but a good one. He said, I, I also want you to tell them that you can be lgbtq and a christian now realize that statement is not there's still a lot of room for theological diversity within that statement because one can believe that you can be gay and be a christian but that that would mean you need to be celibate or it can mean no god is completely comfortable with monogamous committed gay relationship so there's a lot of spectrum even within that but yeah. it's certainly a statement that a lot of events would not feel comfortable yeah. uh, making so yeah those were kind of my marching orders um and i i uh, kind of bumble i'm glad that it went so well i i literally felt like i was bumbling my way through it of course the q a time um was uh amazing and yeah. Terif yeah. terrifying you know i never know what some 16 year old's gonna ask me on a hot mic in a room of a thousand <laughs> people right and the thing that i failed to predict that i sh completely should have known they put that uh seminar on the first full day of the yeah. event yeah and that meant that the entire rest of the event for the all of the remaining days i had three kinds of meetings with people constantly through the whole every day all day one set was youth workers who wanted more help in this area yeah the second set was parents i had so many parents who have either have a gay kid or somebody somewhere on in that uh alphabet soup of letters yeah or uh their kids just came out to them or yeah they yeah, had, yeah or they were wondering you know i had a mom who came asked for some time we sat down and she said um i have three kids they're 18 to 22 all three of them came out to me 
in the last two weeks. And wow. she said, she said, I'm not actually at a place where I'm wrestling morally or theologically. I'm just overwhelmed and am not sure how to respond. Their kid, their dad doesn't know yet. And oh and my goodness. To, you know, so there was that. And then there was just a flood of kids. Of course, the teenagers didn't ask for a, an appointment or time. Oh, time. No. They just, they just yeah. stopped me. <laughs> um, I just had a flood of kids uh, um, who were either asking questions or more commonly, they just wanted somebody to share their story with, which was yeah. both beautiful and heartbreaking because for many of them, they had not yet found a safe adult yeah. with which to share this. Um, you know, I had a, a young woman uh, come and talk to me uh, and say, uh, just with tears flowing down her face. Uh, I've, I've known that I'm, I think she said it was bisexual. If I remember right, uh, I have known for years. I haven't told my parents because I'm completely convinced they will disown me, uh, when yeah. I do tell them, but it feels dishonest to them to not tell them. And she wasn't even asking me for input. She just wanted somebody to hear and to be, present to her in her story and it's such a teachable point for me and for all of us right yeah our 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 calling and i probably said this in our our last chat matt that my definition of good youth ministry is walking alongside teenagers on their own journeys toward christ right and so yeah. when it comes to this dicey challenging topic many of us aren't even a hundred percent sure what we believe or there's confusing or conflicting ideas in our head or we want to be in a per certain place but don't feel like the bible gives us space for that yeah. or we've been taught a certain line of thinking again that could be a wide variety of lines of thinking um and so it's sometimes something we just avoid ever talking about or creating a space that's safe enough for kids to talk about it. Right. Mm, and mm. man, our ministries, this is a quote from um, author and pastor Andy Stanley. He says, our youth ministries should be the safest place in the world to talk about anything, especially this topic. Um, and Good. so often instead it becomes part of our the educational theorists call it our null curriculum, N-U-L-L. -L. Null curriculum are those things that we avoid talking about. And the idea behind that is those topics we avoid talking about end up teaching just as much or more than the things that we intentionally do talk about, which would be our formal curriculum. Um, so we've got to get in the mix on this. And it's becoming more and more pressing. I just... Every group of youth workers I'm with, yeah, this yeah. is a subject that is on their radar and something that they feel both ill-equipped yeah. for, but know they need to take steps in yeah. some positive and helpful direction. Yeah. Now, the reason why I, I was so impressed with what you said, it takes, I'm just going to say it for my, in my language, it takes courage, all right? <laughs> Because when you say LGBTQ, you can give a really naff, you know, and Jesus is, you know, loves everyone and that sort of stuff. And it just could be so vague and a bit, it doesn't nail it. It doesn't put a clear, this is the, the direction. Um, but then when you started talking about your personal story, 
yeah. and then and then how it has impacted you it was like man this guy's got to be heard by everybody oh well, i appreciate that yeah it's not been an easy road no. maybe i should tell that story real briefly yeah here. go for I, it go for it since uh we can certainly assume that most of your listeners were not at satellite <laughs> that is true <laughs> um so uh goodness now let's see this is 2022 and when we're recording this um and my oldest kid is 28 riley uh when riley was 17 so what okay. is that 13 years ago something i don't know i'm not good at maths uh, um, 28 17 so it's only 11 years ago 11 years ago there we yeah. go uh riley came out to uh uh their mom and me uh uh, and they were in their second to last year of, um, what do you call it again? I would say high school. Yeah. 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 So secondary school. Yeah. 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 Um, so we would say it's their junior year. Um, and, uh, Riley came out as bi to yeah. us. Uh, and, uh, Riley was a notorious, uh, risk taker would be the, the negative way of saying it uh, or positive if you understand that risk taking is a developmentally normal and necessary part of being a teenager so i would even anchor that to god's beautiful and loving creation intentions oh, yeah. but of course not all risks are good or lead to a good place but when riley first came out to us uh my internal response i don't remember to what extent my wife and i talked about this we certainly processed things a lot but um but i kind of chalked it up to this is just riley's next experiment um okay. because they, they they've got to try everything once it seems like yeah and some of those trying things were wonderful things and some of them were problematic you know okay. they got caught they got caught stealing some shoplifting some small items from a store they got caught bringing alcohol to school in a coffee mug you know <laughs> <laughs> that's ingenious <laughs> yes. yes um and uh so i kind of chalked it up to that uh, dismissively which i'm not saying was a good thing that that was not a helpful response um probably six months later riley came to us and said i i, I don't think i'm bisexual i'm gay yeah um and we kind of rolled with that still uh yeah. and then another six months later uh final year of uh secondary school or maybe just after that riley said um i think really what i've been wrestling with is that i'm trans and i want to transition to being a guy i'd like to consider surgery and i'd like to uh, start hormone therapy and wow that that would really threw me yeah much yeah. more than the first two and oh, yeah. a big part of why it through me uh, at, on reflection at first i wasn't sure why is this so much harder for me was because now it had like identity implications for me i had yes. been the dad of a daughter for 17 or 18 years at that point it was a, a part of my identity that i loved and thought i was good at and suddenly that was being removed from me um right. at least in some way and um, it was really hard. It was a bit of an identity crisis for me. Yeah. Uh, and then it, that felt selfish too. It's like, wait, I, I'm not supposed to be 
putting all my energy into my own identity about this, right? I'm supposed to be trying to help my kid. And yeah, uh, yeah and that yeah. was really hard. My wife and I were not fans of Riley jumping into hormone therapy for a variety of reasons. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And we we pushed back uh, on that. Uh, we uh, asked them to consider waiting a yeah. while. Some of that was um, that this seemed like from our observation and discussions with Riley, it felt like it was a newer thing. Mm -hmm. Something I have learned uh, in more recent years is when it comes to transgender issues uh, and specifically gender dysphoria, the, dis the feeling of discomfort, which is psychological, but often very physical, feeling that my body is wrongly gendered that that feeling yeah there's two primary categories this is really important uh, to understand i think mm -hmm. there's early onset gender dysphoria which is when someone has a lifetime of that feeling mm -hmm. uh and that almost always starts around age four oh. that's very there that's very different than uh, what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria, which usually starts somewhere in the young to middle teen years. There's been a something like a thousand percent increase in rapid onset gender dysphoria uh, over the last five years. It's just incredible how quickly that has grown. And that's, I think, a big part of why so many of us who are involved with teenagers are just now inundated by questions from kids and speculation or statements about their identity or different things like that. And I don't want to dismiss that, but no. what I've what I've also seen, and we'll, we'll get back to my story in a second, what I've also seen is that the vast majority of teenagers who are experiencing rapid onset gender dysphoria, in other words, they haven't felt this whole their whole life. It's a new thing for them. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely to be, be a lifelong thing for them, that they, the majority of them end up deciding that they are not transgender by either the end of their teenage years or somewhere in their early 20 years. And that oh. it's more, more accurately in most cases, uh, a factor of all the developmental change they're going through. Right. Uh, a, a, a story that I think I told in one of those sessions, I was sitting uh, with a, a youth worker, a female youth worker who had just the week before walked in on a group of 11-year-old girls uh, who were whisper talking. And as soon as this youth worker walked into the room, they all stopped talking. We've all had that experience, right? Yeah. And and she uh, said to them, come on, you guys, you know, I'm safe. What's going on? And one of them admitted, we're all realizing that all of us, there was like six girls in the room, all of us are trans. And the youth worker pressed as to why they were all concluding that. Well, eventually it came out that the reason they were concluding that is that all of them were developing breasts and they didn't like it. And that must mean that then their bodies are wrong and that they are, are, are trans. So, I mean, these are some of the normal developmental weirdnesses of yeah. going through the teenage years, yeah. but with the current surge of, uh, both, let's say, cultural acceptance, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. and not that it's an easy road for a lot of kids. No, just, it's still no. still very, very difficult, uh, fraught with fraught with bullying, uh, very oh. high 
levels of suicide attempts and all all kinds of stuff yeah but it is become more culturally normative to talk about um and so yeah i think that that's one of the questions we have to sort out like Mm. when when i'm talking to a teenager who says i think i'm trans one of the earliest questions that i ask in our conversation is how long have you been feeling this way how long have you been rusting now back to riley with riley we realized it was a rapid onset it was i didn't have that language yet but it was something that they had not felt their whole life riley had had lots of boyfriends was super girly girly um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for many years um and so we encouraged them to hold off on anything that was irreversible um yeah yeah and uh, they did hold off mm-hmm. for a little bit. Uh, a, a, a year or two later, <coughs> Riley did end up having what's called top surgery, which is uh, having their breasts removed. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, uh, as a side comment, Riley never experienced gender dysphoria again after the day of their surgery, um, mm. which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but then I, uh, six months after that, Riley came back and said, I, I don't think I'm actually trans. I think I'm non-binary. Right. Which right. for those who don't understand that language, that means that I am, you could say I'm both genders or I'm neither. Yeah. Uh, these days, 11 years later, Riley would say they would just use the word queer. In fact, I will often describe them as um, bisexual and non-binary. But at this point, Riley would prefer to not even use those labels. They yeah. just want to be themselves and don't buy into what they perceive to be a cultural norm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, or a set of expectations around gender and sexuality. Um, So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I was a closeted dad of a queer kid for many years. (laughs) I I was unwilling to talk about it. I I, uh, publicly, that is, I talked about it uh, privately a lot. Um, And uh, I was afraid. Um, I was, uh, I was worried that it was going to end my youth ministry uh, training and speaking career. That brought on shame for me uh, because I felt like I was prioritizing things over my kid. Um, I will say that Riley was really gracious Mm. in giving my wife and I lots of years and tons of conversations and questions, many of them stupid questions. to process things when when Riley started using uh, plural pronouns, they them there. It yep. took me a good two years to get, uh, get used, to used to used to that, and, yep. and Riley yep. was uh, gave us grace on that. Um, so yeah, that that was the journey. The first time I ever talked about this was in an event that my organization, the Youth Cartel, put on, and we we actually did a whole uh, session at a on an event with six little TED talk style, 10 minute talks uh, on this topic. And I was one of them and I cried through the whole talk, Um, just like couldn't get out the next sentence. And, you know, I, I hadn't planned on that obviously. And what surprised me in the moment was it was clear that the audience of youth workers were totally with me because of my emotion. And, I was in the midst of trying to say, think of what I was supposed to say next. I was struggling with that fact because it felt like pity. And one of the things that I 
realized in this journey is that as a parent, I want your questions. I want you to come alongside me as a parent of a kid who's wrestling with stuff, but I don't want pity because pity feels like judgment. Yeah. Uh, and it feels yeah. like judgment on my parenting. It feels like judgment on my kid that I love so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this was part of the struggle that we had uh, with Riley in our youth ministry at my church was it, it, the youth workers felt like they were creating a safe place and doing it right. But Riley experienced it as judgment. They experienced everything as uh, a but statement. In other words, we want you here, but, or God loves you, but, right? <laughs> and uh, certainly one of the instructive things I've learned over the years of wrestling with this is that it's okay. It's legitimate for a ministry leader to at some point in dialogue with uh, a teenager that you're walking with, or even an adult that you're walking with, to talk about what your church uh, believes the Bible says about this topic, even if it's a conservative perspective. It's okay to have that dialogue. It's not that you should avoid it, have it become part of your null curriculum, mm -hmm. but decouple it from statements like, God loves you, or we want you here. Don't, don't make those the same sentence or the but statement ends up nullifying the God loves you or the we want you here statement. And that's yeah. all that's heard. That's, yeah. that's, that is helpful because, the, <laughs> because for me, um, now I have to traverse this carefully. Having, uh, having, having been at the, the open church conference and I've heard the theology behind it, you know, when Campolo and, and Chalk and some others shared it, and then hearing the story of those who have been recipients of bad theology. Um, you shared something for me, which I thought was such a helpful way of when somebody comes to you and says, mm. I am LGBT or whatever, you know, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, intersectional, queer, uh, and all the other ones, <laughs> pan, etc. Um you you mentioned how to respond which i thought was helpful i think people need to hear that yeah yeah i kind of come up with four first responses that we all need to have memorized and ready to go yeah so anytime a teenager and i think that there are parallels to this if you're talking about ministry with adults yeah uh, it's the same e I, I, you e know. even if it's you know uh, a neighbor or a yeah. cousin or yeah. whatever right but particularly with teenagers the first statement out of our mouths after they say make a statement or even ask a question um is thank you for your courage thanks for talking to me yeah. um they are most likely coming with some level of fear and trepidation and uh, maybe even a question of whether or not they're going to get um, uh, not just judged, but even um, like it, that, that it might be a break in the relationship with yeah. you. Uh, yeah. And, and so it took, it takes courage. So acknowledge that acknowledging someone's courage doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is, this is an overarching principle that's become so important for me. And I, I probably said it on our last chat too, but as we move into these years where gosh, there's just so much divisive stuff in our culture, politically, yeah. uh, theolo yeah. theologically, right. That 
community uh, does not mean sameness or does not require sameness. Mm. Friendship does not require sameness. Mm. So I have so many friends that are really dear to me. I, I have family members that are so dear to me, and yet we disagree on really important things. And agreement on those is not a requirement of us being in true community with one another. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and yet that's almost become this assumption in our culture and really strongly in many of our churches that if we don't agree with each other then we we can't be in community with one another or i what i hear from youth workers a lot is well if i uh don't tell them why they're wrong aren't i endorsing their i'm gonna say sinful behavior right um and it's just not true it's just not true. Yeah. You can walk alongside somebody and be in genuine relationship without agreement. Uh, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. anyhow. Um, uh, so first, thanks for your courage. Second, be really clear. God loves you. We want, we want to be really clear that God loves you. I notice I'm using we language. I'm putting on my youth worker hat here. No, no, no. It's and, good. It's good. And, it's good. But, but I'm saying we very intentionally as a ministry leader, it's, probably better than saying i love you because that can yeah. be weird and misinterpreted yeah um so we love you uh and, or sorry god loves you that was number two we love you that's number three yeah and we want you here we might yeah. disagree on stuff as we walk on this journey but we want you here yes and uh, yeah. so those four statements thank you for your courage god loves you we want we love you and we want you here, those four things. And then I would usually move into a series of questions. Mm -hmm. um, it's still in that first conversation, things like, how long have you been feeling like this? Who else knows? How can I help you? Yeah. What, quest you know, what questions do you have? Do, do I have your permission to bring this back up with you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I, even if I had a, let's say I had a strong theological conviction, either one that was uh, progressive or conservative, Mm -hmm. I would probably not go to that in the first conversation because it would end up overshadowing everything else. And I really want the focus on that first conversation to be one that creates safety and, uh, uh, and love and uh, sets up the opportunity for lots of further conversation. See, so this, I mean, I think what I find fascinating about the LGBTQ, and, and this is, I've come across this on on a on 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 different occasions of casual homophobia statements. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you just you just think, come on, that's just not good enough. In the same sense, when in in secular society, in some portions, there's been casual racial slurs. You know, just yeah. uh, unacceptable, unacceptable. You know, um, how how do you when because you see. I think here's how, but let me poke on that. Yeah. Here's how here's how many people would see that as apples and oranges, those two illustrations you guys yeah, yeah, just go on. gave. And I'm not representing myself necessarily no, no, here, no, but I appreciate that. I think while there's still an absurd amount of racism, nobody would almost nobody would actually today say 
that the Bible teaches racism is good, right? Or, or, or something like that. But there's still, and, and again, this is a fair struggle yeah. that for a lot of people it, who are understanding what the Bible teaches about these topics, they do believe understandably that's it's a legitimate biblical understanding that the bible teaches that homosexuals activity is sinful and that uh choosing to be another gender to use language that um they would use um is also sinful not part of god's uh, intention or desire and they might even use positive language for that right mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um so it, it's apples and oranges in that the tension for a lot of people in this conversation is I do want to love people, but I do believe that the Bible has a very clear instruction against these behaviors mm -hmm. or identities or whatever. And I have to live in that tension. And that's the struggle for a, a, an awful lot of youth. Workers. Yeah, it, it is. And I, and I think for me where I, um, uh, I always, I think there's the the passage about um, when it says when two in the New Testament where it says two men shouldn't lie with one another, um, and in actual fact it's a reference to, uh, and you can correct me on this one. This is what I was taught anyway, that it was a reference for a straight person going off to to worship their local deity, and the form of their worship was with a gay male prostitute. Mm -hmm. And so the passage was, it's not right two men should lie with one another. And yet, and 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 for me, this this there's a difference between uh, monogamy and sleeping about, which I think is actually, um, I think for where I, I I stand and you know I put my colours to the mask, I think God is all about love. God is all about loving relationships that don't abuse individuals. Now I know that 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 in itself, you know, people can pick in that and poke and that sort of stuff. How do you um, instruct people who are on on either side of of the of the conversation and have very legitimate arguments? How do you help them to become? Um, well, I hate to say it, but it's true. How do you lead them towards a way of how Christ would would live? Um, so it's a great question. And it's one I wrestle with all the time. Um, I would say that, uh, that just confronting what I think is wrong in their theology, mm -hmm. I've found rarely gets anybody anywhere. <laughs> That's a good point. It's, That's cool. It's, I like that. It's, well done. Uh, it's usually not helpful to them. Mm. And it doesn't produce the results that I want. Well done. So I need to act with compassion and curiosity out of love as my motivation as mm. I enter into that conversation with them. Mm. Um, so the curiosity would lead me to lovingly wonder, how have you come to these conclusions and what has factored into that? I mean, I come from a conservative theological background, so it's certainly uh, an, a, a theological position that I understand because I, I spent yeah. the majority of my life there. Yeah, me too. Um, and um, 
So I, I realized I was enculturated into that. Mm -hmm. I was taught that. And it does the conservative uh, view of sexuality in terms of understanding what the Bible says. It does seem to be what the Bible says. So I, I, I can act with curiosity and compassion as long as the person's not being an idiot or mean or a jerk. But if they're if they're actually wondering how can I do better with teenagers or whatever it is, then I can, I can, again, I, I'm not, I don't need to have sameness with them mm -hmm. to hope that they can succeed more with the teenagers in their midst. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I was, I was chatting with Riley about this recently because they had a little bit of discomfort arise over the fact that I talked about this and tell their story oh, to so many people yeah yeah yeah. um and so we chatted about it i and i i, I genuinely wanted to uh, be open to uh i don't i don't want to commodify my own kid or their story right no, now. i hear that i hear that uh and so we talked about it a lot and at some point i talked about i mentioned how it's so normal for me to have a youth worker come up to me often uh in, in just in a random moment of conversation and say, Hey, what you wrote or said at this thing where I heard you speak on this or where I read what you've said about this really helped me with this teenager and this conversation. And it went really well. And I want to thank you. I shared that. And Riley's response was if one teenager has a better experience when they come out to their youth pastor because of what you have said to them, dad, then I want you to keep telling that story. Come so, yeah, I think in many ways it ended up feeling very honoring to Riley oh. that, that the motivation is to help kids like them. Yeah. The, thing, the, the thing that's common here is that people who are experiencing sexual uh, identity uh, uh, questions there is an enormous amount of fear. Yeah. But then the people who are close to them, who are facing that, those people who are asking those questions are also full of fear. Yeah, totally. I had so much fear. <laughs> I, I, and I, again, as Riley was not, as Riley was experiencing a conditionality of love and belonging from our, my church's youth ministry, I, as a dad, was experiencing conditionality yeah. from the youth ministry also. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was not getting the support and love that I needed also. There's, right? there's a word, I think, is it mercy or is it, or is it uh, grace? Where, it, where its Hebrew uh, interpretation is uh, as a mother cradles a child, that you, you very tenderly treat that person in the same way a mother cradles a child. And that is that I think what you're talking about is is such an important thing about uh, thank you for your bravery. God loves you. Mm. We mm. love you. And you are welcome. That for me is such an important thing here. Yeah. So look, we're, we're, we're another thing to, that I encourage oh, people to do. Just yeah. let me give another I, before I forget this. I really encourage people to read books about this topic that they don't expect to agree with. Oh, because good. it is and not because you're um, wanting to be convinced of another position, but because it's just helpful to be uh, informed that mm. there are other 
positions, other theological positions, by believers who want to rightfully interpret scripture, right? So to to read those and to read them with humility, knowing that I, I had a, an author friend years ago say, I look forward to discovering where I'm wrong and what I believe. He wasn't talking just about this topic. Because as I look back on my history, I realized there's many places where my theology or my beliefs were not good enough and mm -hmm. they got upgraded and improved. And I look forward to discovering more of those. Well, I, I want to suggest that people approach this, uh, particularly in the privacy of your own reading and yeah. prayer time, approach the topic with a sense of humility, being open to what the Holy Spirit might want to lead you to in terms of your belief. Well done. Well done. Do you have any particular authors or books that you would recommend? Oh goodness, there's so many that I found help uh, that I've found helpful for youth workers. Uh, just my any, my just organization, general. yeah, my yeah. my uh, uh, pu company published a little book called Four Views on Pastoring LGBTQ Teenagers, and I Fantastic. would recommend that. It's on Amazon UK. Um, I was helped a lot by a book called Torn. Uh, I think it's kind of rescuing Christianity from the or rescuing us the church from the gays versus Christians debate or something like that. Justin yeah. Lee yeah. is the author. Um, books by Mark Yarhouse have been helpful. Um, he is an evangelical, uh, but he writes from a more broad perspective, uh -huh. uh, a little academic. Um, there's a guy named Preston Sprinkle who's done some really helpful writings. He's Again, more conservative, and there's some places where I wouldn't agree with him, mm -hmm. but I still think he's compassionate and really does good research. And so his books, which are very readable, mm -hmm. have so much helpful stuff in them. I end up recommend, recommending them to parents quite often. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And then I guess one more. Yeah. One, one that was really helpful to me and, and challenged my thinking that would be more in line with some of the things that you said about uh, the New Testament passage. Um, just to understand another perspective on biblical interpretation of the seven verses that mention yeah. what we translate as homosexuality yeah. is a little book called Those Seven References. And uh, it's it's just a, uh, it is a, a decidedly progressive, but um, it's an interpretation of those seven verses, but starting with good interpretation, not just what I want it to say. Very good. Very good. I know people will be buying those books because this is uh, th this is this is such an important subject. Marco, listen, you're you're a friend, uh, you're a dude, and um, well done. <laughs> awesome, thanks, Matt. Bless you. And look, so how people can get hold of you through the the Youth Hut Cartel, the Youth Cartel .com. Yep, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. You bet. Good day. So just to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And uh, if you want to catch up with any other episodes, do go on to the Anchor Seasoned 4 um, portal and uh, you'll see all of the other episodes that I've done. Also, check us out on, obviously, iTunes through uh, Apple and with your Android and all of your other different places like Spotify that you get to listen to your podcasts. Equally, if you are someone who uses Twitter, um, we are Seasoned for life and um, we have posts of all sorts there and then 
this is the next new thing. If you're really interested, why don't you come and join our learning community? It's on Facebook. It's a group of people who are asking questions about what does it look like to be seasoned for purpose? Anyway, thanks again for listening and uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you next time.